the last time I probably saw you, aside from a couple months ago, was 22 years was ago. Was it that I, long ago? Probably no. Long Peak High School. Dude, when would I have seen you? Let's see. We graduated in 2000. 2000. So, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And we weren't like close friends, but I obviously we knew were who buddies you were. in yeah. high school, but we weren't like hanging out every we, day. Yeah, yeah, we're like we were school friends. Yeah. You have your close friends and you have your school friends. Yeah. yeah. Were you painting in high school? Oh, in Miss Dalton's class once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. But it's funny, I was drawing all the time. I was the doodler. I was doodling just constantly. I got horrible grades. And about every report card I ever got every year of my life, it'd be like, ah, Dan's not too good at this, but he's a great (laughs) artist. In fact, it's funny. I remember teachers handing me important things like, hey, this is a quiz. This is a test. Don't draw on this. They would say, don't draw on this. this." And I would look (laughs) at it and my fourth grade self or seventh grade self or high school self would be like, all right, Dan, don't draw on this i will not draw on this and my mind just wanders all over the place and half an hour later there'd be a huge monster just across the entire page did you take the test or was it just a monster oh yeah i'm sure i did but whenever i had time where my mind wasn't occupied i just started doodling i started drawing just constantly drawing i didn't get serious into painting till after my mission is when i really dove into it And I used to think, oh, man, I would have been so much better if I would have painted earlier in my life. But the more I learn about art and painting is that 90% of your painting skills are just your drawing skills. It's the fundamental. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Your basic shapes, angles, values, distances, all of that is figured out in your drawing. Painting, all you have to do is learn some color theory and some medium and that's it you make it sound so easy i know that's not it what's funny is if you have someone to hold your hand and take you through the way to learn art and painting and drawing it's very learnable and it's a lot easier than people think it's just that they don't have any direction so they just jump into it and it does seem very overwhelming but i teach a lot of workshops and kids classes drawing classes and these kids literally i'd say half of the class in my drawing class these kids are all better than i was when i was their age at drawing it's because they learned the right way with the right approach they learn how to see correctly they're doing like some of them honestly it's weird because i've had the thought so many times you're creating a lot of competition for yourself in the future (laughs) but i've just decided i'm okay with that some of them i'm sure will beat me out in yeah. certain projects but yeah some of these kids are phenomenal that is so phenomenal. cool did your parents always support you or were they like dan this is not going to be a great career choice how did they approach your art no they always supported me in fact when i was young i had everyone and their dog tell me oh my gosh you're so good you're so good you need to do this but when you get to college years and people look at you like oh you're a family man now you have a newborn baby coming you're married that's when you hear, oh, it's time to get serious about life. and Meaning don't do art? Don't do art. I was telling myself the entire time, bail. You got a bail on this. I remember being in college, looking around and thinking, I don't fit in with the artsy crowd at all. Do I want to be around this crowd forever? Nothing against them. But financially, I was just logically thinking, I'm not going to make it. 
there's no way. Like I love big families. I know I want a big family. We ended up having six kids. And I, when I decided, Hey, I'm going for this full time. I felt like I was strapping my young family to my back and jumping off a financial cliff, hoping that there'd be a landing somewhere. And it was scary. And I had full days of just feeling paralyzed with fear. I remember being in my unfinished basement, painting all these paintings that no one was buying. No one knew who I was. I was very bad at talking about my art and myself. And no one, even a lot of friends and family didn't even know I was painting full time. But I felt like that's what God wanted me to do with my time and my talents. And so I plunged into it and it was really scary. But things just happened. It's really cool. Finances would get really stressful. And then I'd out of the blue, our pediatrician commissioned me to paint his whole family and then paid me a thousand dollars more than what we talked about. Just yeah. random things would come out of the woodwork. And I just I it got to the point where it was like, I'm gonna be taken care of. I'm trying to do the best that I can. I try to keep the commandments. I'm exact with my tithing. And if I work as hard as I can, even though it won't be good enough, God will make up for the rest. And he'll be able to do a lot more out of my life than I can do with it. So I just put my trust in him. And even though I had those really scary days, I got through it and opportunities just kept on coming and coming. It's funny, I have a plaque in my studio. I have to pass it every time I come into my studio. And it's Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It's trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. I had a young man that was a neighbor. I, he was doing some woodwork. I had him carve me that scripture in, in a big plank for me that I could put in my office. And every time I had a serious fear come up, I would look at that plank and I'd repeat it to myself and just say, this doesn't make sense to me. I know I can't do it by myself. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'll just put all my trust in God and, and he's going to take care of us. And he has, and it's been amazing to see the blessings that have come from him. And me and my wife once in a while will have this discussion that, God, things are great financially and we're doing really good. And none of this has anything to do with me or anything that I have done. He gave me the talent. He gave me the energy. He gave me the work ethic. Everything, all of the opportunities are straight from him. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just a, it's a pleasure to do it. It's a pleasure to acknowledge God and in, in every good thing that happens to me. And then it really takes off the pressure from me. I don't feel so pressured to, am I going to make it? Are we going to make it? No, we wouldn't. I would not make it if it was left up to me. I know that already. But with his help, I really don't have any more stress. I know as a provider of a family, we're going to be fine. I have a very similar story being a musician. Like, I lost a very like golden handcuff job in 2012. I was doing music on the side, like dabbling, knowing and it was gnawing at me, knowing I was supposed to do music. Like I just knew, like that was my passion, love, gift. And then I lost this amazing job, which was like heartbreaking. My wife was pregnant with our second child and didn't have much savings. 
So we're like, oh crap, what do you do? And my wife's like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just, you're going to do your passion, do music. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. And so I got like a tiny studio and just started going to Valor, which is a music venue, meeting with people again, getting back into the scene and just creating. I just was creating, which the act of creation would stave off that like gnawing fear and the unknown of the future. Like you, I just credit God knowing that I just had this sense knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do. And obviously we're here now in my studio and I'm making a living from music, but there were so many nights, even though you're knowing you're doing the right thing, there were still so many like sleepless nights Yeah, of waking up with an overdraft charge and you're yeah. like, I don't have anything coming down the pipeline. Oh, like, yeah. This sucks. Oh yeah. When I saw you again for the first time after 20 years, you exude peace, dude. You're just at peace, which is like... Oh such a cool priceless gift especially in a very frantic world right now yeah. where people just rely on what they can put on their backs yeah or what i have in the bank account currently. Yeah. that's their yeah. security right there. I mean, but how scary is that yeah because what if i get hurt yeah. i'm saying oh, what yeah. there's like a million what ifs and all that energy and worry goes into what ifs and do the dichotomy of don't think about tomorrow what you're going to eat i talked to my buddy bryce oh, who's yeah. a chaplain he went through a crazy career path He's our age. He finally landed in his career after two decades of not knowing what to do and just doing his best and being financially like struggling. Yeah. And, but that he would just be grateful and that scripture, like, don't worry about the birds that are taken care of, the lilies are taken yeah. care of. You can't think and make your body grow a foot. All yeah. this thinking that we do incessantly. So seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be taken care of. Yeah. But I, I want to know more about how you decided to just trust God because that that is that's so much harder it's actually not as hard as it needs to be but it is really difficult when there's so many pressures and maybe you don't have God in your life but you want him in your life yeah how would you get to the point where you trust God or how would you tell someone they can trust God oh man especially great, someone that's like a great question dude, like a young guy 25 trying to figure out his career yeah maybe not that religious but wants to be wants to like have that strength it's such a good question and i think you actually hit on something you said when you were doing your music when you were creating your stress was lower right it's when you weren't creating and weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing that the stress and anxiety came back totally that is the exact same thing with me when i was painting I was loving it and I was stress-free and I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. It's when I was not working, it's when I was not moving forward that the anxiety would kick in. And I tell young artists all the time, if you're going to go for it, don't sit there and just get stuck in prayer. Oh, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Start moving your feet so that God has, he, he can't bless your steps if you're not taking steps. If you're sitting there being paralyzed, thinking, what should I do? What should I do? You're not going to figure it out. It's when you are moving forward and that's when you really figure everything out. And that's when he blesses your footsteps. So going back in time, I was really stressed. It's funny. <laughs> I was really stressed in school. School was very stressful for me because... Is this college or high school? Th this is in college. Okay. I went to UVU and I started as an art major. I had all these classes that the instructors were telling us to paint our emotions and just doing kind of weird stuff. And I'm like, logically, I'm like, no, this is not going to pay the bills. It just isn't. So I bailed. 
I looked around me. It didn't make sense financially, logically. This is right before I met my wife. So I bailed on that. Even though when I was in, when I was going to school for art, I just felt really strongly. I'm, I'm supposed to do art. I don't know in what capacity. I don't know if I'm supposed to teach or what. But I felt good about it. And then worldly logic kicked in, and I, was, I it made me bail out of fear. And I totally made that decision on fear. But I went to I went to pre chiropractics. Realized that I absolutely suck at all things science, and just like really struggled. I remember looking at all the science majors, and they were just eating this stuff up. Just like, man, I'm like, yeah, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not good at this. I had a love for human anatomy, really do, and I still do. But I think it has to do with art, not yeah, anything else. Anyway, so I bailed on that. I went to fire science to be a firefighter paramedic. And then when once we toured a, a fire station, and I just saw all the guys there living together, and it just hit me like, oh, I'd be away from my family a lot. And I figured out how much money they make, and it's like, ah, oh, that would be hard too. And then you're really at the mercy of who you live with if you'd have an enjoyable career with that or not. So anyway, that, that made me bail on that. And then I went to where everybody goes, where they don't know what to do. I went to business management, right? (laughs) That's like the the lost and found area of the universe. Anyway, so I'm in business management. I freaking hated it. Oh my gosh. I hated it so much. And then I bailed on school. I got out. I just stopped doing art bought a franchise where I was a reseller for DHL and then FedEx. And I just, I started making decisions based on logic and finances. And I was doing pretty good with that, but it kept on nagging me to get back into art. I feel like the Lord was working on me in subtle ways. And I feel like if he would have came to me and said, hey, you need to go back to art and start painting full time. I would have been like, no, it's not going to pay the bills. I didn't have the faith for it. How many kids do you have at this point? I'm a newlywed at this point. We're about to have our first kid, and I'm just stressed out financially. That's where it gets crazy as kids. It is. Oh, yeah. That's where all the pressure comes from. I know. That's where everything changes, and that's when I was like, I can never do music. Oh, yeah. I can never like change a steady paycheck with kids. Yep, yep. Which isn't true. When you think about the little mouths that need to be fed, pretty intense. When it all falls on you as the provider. Anyway, so something cool happened is I just didn't like the direction that my life was going. And there was this one night that I stayed up all night. I remember writing in my journal at 4.30 in the morning. And I wanted to go back. I decided to go back to school to be a seminary teacher. And I wanted to just teach seminary the rest of my life. And I made this very long pros and cons list in my journal. And the cons was, you'll be semi-poor for a while, but then you'll make it. And it's not, no one gets rich doing that job, but you have a lot of security in the end, right? But the pros were like, it was just this very long list of the pros of being close to the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching it and helping others, serving others, especially younger kids get through high school and and junior high, which is a struggle for all of us. So 
that was the logical way back into art for me because you have to have a four-year degree to be a seminary teacher. And it doesn't matter what degree you have it in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, perfect. I'll get back into art and maybe something will happen with my art one day, but I'll get my art degree and then I'll be able to teach seminary. And then once I got into art and I was in it full time and I did it for a few years, me and my wife both just had some really cool experiences. And I just, I knew you are supposed to be painting and teaching people how to paint and draw the rest of your life. And it, it was such a tender mercy that God would work with me where I was at the point. I didn't have a ton of faith and I was a very logical person. So he took me where I was held my hand and said, okay, we'll ease into this before I tell you exactly what I want you to do, because that was really scary for me. I just love this train of thought of there's different times of our lives where we're less spiritual or more spiritual. We're either directed by fear and logic or by God. And looking back is so precious to see that even those times where we were led by fear and logic are such blessings, because now that you live in such a different way, Those are treasures to me, those moments, because you see the mercy of God guiding you when you're ready for it. Yeah. And the dichotomy is just so sweet. I don't know if that's how you feel, but I treasure those times where I was looking back. It's really hard in the moment, but looking back, you're like, yeah, I was lost and I'm grateful for what I learned. It's like those lessons are so awesome. 100%. Those times of struggle, I, man... I would not give those up for a billion dollars. If someone came to me and said, hey, here's a billion dollars, go do whatever you want to do the rest of your life, never worry about finances again, but you have to take away those struggles that you've had, both spiritually, financially, mentally, physically. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Those struggles are, in a weird way, they make us who we are today, but they also produce the opposite of the struggle and they produce peace. They produce comfort. They produce all of the blessings that we have now that we wouldn't have now if we didn't go through all those struggles. So I would tell anyone that's going through any type of struggle, whether it be a mental struggle, and I've been through those before, and those are really hard sometimes, some depression, it's a very real thing, and some mental illnesses are very real. Or whether it's a spiritual struggle, and you just get stuck in the same sin, and the same addiction, and the same whatever you're, you're dealing with, or financial struggle, I would just say, turn and face those struggles head on, buckle up, and buckle yourself to the Savior. Buckle yourself to the scriptures, to prayer. Just hold tight to those things that are constant and unmovable. And God will, he will take you through those struggles. He will hold your hand through those struggles. I love that saying that if God brings you to it, he will take you through it. That is 100%. But our, the natural man inside of us, our natural instincts is to turn away from struggle. It's to turn our back to it, avoid it, run from it, go the other way. Ignore it. Ignore it. But then they just fester and those struggles become harder in some ways. It's just best to face it with the Lord and go through it. And when you do it with the Lord, you come through stronger and you turn out to be the person that God wants you to be. He's taken us as rough stones and he's 
chiseling down our very rough edges into the polished people that we need to become. You said, buckle yourself to the Savior, which is very beautiful and very hands-on. It's a very kind of a gritty, like... Yeah, it's proactive. It's really cool. But I want to know, like, daily, how do you buckle yourself to the Savior on a daily, pragmatic, base level? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm very serious about Scripture. What does yours look like? Like, your study? I... (laughs) It's a pretty ugly setup. If you guys come to my studio, you'll see a, a large pink mat. It, I stole it from my daughter <laughs> that does gymnastics, and it's become mine because I've gotten paint all over it. Anyway, it's this gymnastics mat that I fold out, and I have I got the Bible, I have the Book of Mormon, I have the Pearl of Great Price, and the Doctrine and Covenants. I have some study guides. What um, study guides do you have? My favorite is by Valletta. And it's start to finish. And he has one for the Book of Mormon. He has one for the Old Testament, the New Testament. It is amazing. Okay, I'm going to get that. It's by Valletta, start to finish. And man, the thing I love about it is on the inside, it has the scriptures. On the outside, it has prophets and apostles, all their quotes and short stories and just really amazing things that you're not just reading a chapter in Matthew. You're reading a chapter in Matthew in the New Testament, but you're also getting all this commentary. So by the time that you're done studying that chapter and all of the other tangents that go along with it, you get a more holistic view of the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. Even though when we just study the scriptures by themselves, it's sometimes they're very specific. But if you get branches of that with different tangents that that correlate with it. It's just a powerful thing. I'm very serious about doing that every morning. What I hate, time are you up? I'm curious about your daily schedule. I'm all over the place. I wish I could say that I'm the guy that's up at 5.30 <laughs> every morning. I'm just not. Yeah. Like me and my wife, we put our kids down. Like the work ends for us around 9 p.m. when the kids actually stay in bed. I want to hang out with my wife for a couple hours. Yeah. So if we're in bed by 11, 11.30... That's yeah. what works for me. And then we're up by around 7, 7.30. I would like to evolve myself into the guy that goes to bed at 10.30 and wakes up at 6 every single morning. Yeah, no, I'm always trying to be that guy. Yeah, I, I wish I could be that <laughs> yeah. guy. The majority of my family is like that, but I'm not that guy yet. I would like to be there. That's one of those things. Actually, that's one of my goals for this year is to overcome my natural man when it comes to sleeping patterns and eating. I just want to eat healthier. I want to sleep healthier. So when do you read? Is it after the kids go to school? No, that's first thing. I like to wake up, go down in my studio, spread out that ugly mat. And I do yoga for my lower back as I'm reading. And then I couple that with prayer. It usually starts with the prayer. And I really feel a difference on my day-to-day schedule. And on the success of my day, if I started off with a sincere prayer, not just a prayer, but actually praying, communing with Heavenly Father, and just, this is what I struggle with, this is what I need help with, thank you for all these things, and start with gratitude each day, it it makes a world of difference. And then I couple that with scripture study, and it just prepares me for each day mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. It's like the, it's literally the most important thing I do every day because it sets the tone for how I'm going to act as a provider that day 
what kind of a father I'm going to be, what kind of a husband I'm going to be, what type of disciple of Christ I'm going to be that day. It's all set in the early morning when I wake up. Very cool. I totally agree. Yeah. It's do one of the best things about being an artist or a musician, in my opinion, is the daily schedule. I have to get a lot of work done, but there's more flexibility. And so I love dropping my kids off, going for a run, listening to a book or a talk or something, coming back. And re- if I didn't read before my kids got up, then I have this like time then before I actually start the work. And it is, it truly is like a night and day difference. Your mindset, oh, yeah. your heart is, can be super soft for the day. You're like holding on to things if you don't get it done. Yeah. The scriptures do have that power to totally just soften you up and 100%. And you really do have a choice every day. Am I going to face this day by myself or am I going to face this day with deity, with extra help from above? And it's just, it's night and day. You are a better person altogether when you have help from above. And when you take it alone, those footsteps every day that we got to take forward, they're just harder. Yeah. And you you just do better too in every aspect of your life. I'm a better painter. I can see shapes, edges, values, colors, temperatures better when I have done my daily routine correctly. And that just, that doesn't go for if you're an artist, that, if you're an accountant, if you're a plumber, if you're a labor worker, like whatever profession you are in, you will be better at that and you will enjoy it more if your morning routine is better. Yeah, I agree. Just speaking of deity and painting, how did you start painting Christ. And first off, your paintings of Christ are so beautiful and inspiring. Oh, like like when I, once again, I didn't know you painted. And then six months ago, I saw you at some random party and I'm like, dude, what's up? And you're painting Christ. Yeah. And, and I was blown That sounds away. weird that I was painting Christ yeah. at a random party. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it was like a summer soiree, it was beautiful some in, setting. influencer party yeah. thing that they brought me in to be part of the entertainment yeah there was all these people doing really cool stuff and dan was repeating like dude what is up i haven't seen you forever yeah and i was just like so overjoyed it's so cool to see someone years later and see them doing something amazing and they're just loving life doing it so i was just stoked to see you but your paintings of christ are incredible what's your career like now are you busy are you being commissioned a lot what are you doing yeah yeah it's very busy My commission list is always growing away from me. It's about a year and a half to two years long, the commission list is now. that is so rad. It is awesome. It's a great problem (laughs) to have, but sometimes it's a problem. It gets hard, and I'm getting better at saying no to certain projects and saying yes to the projects that I feel like I need to be a part of. Where before, I'd say yes to anything. A A random person would call me and say, hey... I had this crazy dream about this and this, and the the dream takes them five minutes to tell me, and I'm supposed to get this down on a painting, and I'm just thinking this is going to be the ugliest thing of all time. And but I would say yes to anything if they could help me provide for my family. I would say yes to anything. And now it's not that way. I do a lot of work for the LDS Church. I do a lot of paintings for their temples. I'm starting to do work for their chapels. And that keeps me pretty busy on top of the normal commission list that anyone can commission me to do anything. I get a lot of commissions from social media. What's your strangest request, do you think? That dream sounds amazing. Oh, man, I've had a ton of those. Dreams? I just know if it's if the conversation starts out, I had this dream. I Man, <laughs> get ready for this. I've had some weird ones. I'd have to think about that because I, I've noticed that the more established I get in my 
career and if my brand name is a little bit stronger now, I get less weird requests. Yeah. You have a brand now. Yeah, and people, I, I think if you're a little bit known, they're not going to come to you thinking, oh, he's a hobbyist and maybe he can do something free for me. I used to get that all mm-hmm. the time. Oh, Dan loves paint. Hey, can you paint me with my family in Lake Powell next to our houseboat? It's our favorite spot in Lake Powell. And we have seven kids. <laughs> and I have, I'd ask him, oh man, that, that sounds amazing. What are you thinking? What do you have set aside finan- financially for this? What's your budget? Oh man, we got you covered. We got like 400 bucks to put towards this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, sweet. That's going to take me a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get stuff like that as much anymore. And the, some of the weird stuff is filtered out a little bit. But so you're doing is so now is it mostly Christ? Is that what no. I'm doing? On top of the the commission, it's mostly I paint a lot of portraits of pe- people's grandkids, married couples, pets, temples, landscapes. I'm all over the place. I'll paint whatever people want me to paint for them. So it's a lot of that. The stuff I do for LDS temples, it's mostly biblical narratives, Christ in the Garden, Gethsemane, Christ healing someone. A lot of stuff from that. And then I do a lot of wildlife and landscape that I sell up in Park City, just out of the galleries up there. I try not to get pigeonholed with a particular subject matter. Galleries used to do that to me. They'd say, oh, Dan, you're the this artist. This is what you do. And I started working with an amazing gallery up in Park City, and they just say, hey, you do your thing. We'll take whatever you can cool. give us. So I'm doing clothed figurative work i'm doing old classical pieces like studies from bouguereau and carl block i'm doing a lot of wildlife for them a lot of landscape they even started selling images of christ up in park city for me and it's man i would never think that they would push that stuff in a major gallery off of main street up in park city but they have been and it's been a really good experience in fact they're seeing that there is a strong market for it that other galleries won't touch with a 10-foot pole. And so they're tapping into that market a little bit, which I think is so smart and just good. What is your style? I That's another thing I don't like to get pigeonholed on is a style. So I was trained in classical painting with oils. Okay. And it's, it's all about how real you can make this look. I still love doing that. The majority of my temple pieces are a classical style, but... Everything that I do outside of classical is very much thick, loose paint, pixelated, broken color. I really just use the reference for basic anatomy, and then I really will push um, I will push my style all over the place and really try to divorce myself from the reference if that makes sense. And so the colors and all the visual interest that you can pump in there, some of the time I'm maybe only using 10% of the reference and then going off on doing my own thing. I think I'm a happier person when I'm painting fast, fluid, just thick paint. Is that your flow state? Yeah, yeah. I really love painting like that. But I also always have the desire to do a very serious classical piece as well. And I'll spend a few months on a classical piece. And then I think, oh, I'm not going to do a classical piece for years. That killed me. 
And then I'll go back to the other styles that I do. And within a few weeks, I still have that yearning. Oh, I want something really challenging. So some of those complicated biblical pieces, they they push me and they sharpen my eye so that I'm really good at the more stylistic loose stuff. Very cool. The stylistic loose stuff is actually a lot more technical than the classical. Because classical, you put your strokes down and then you can blend them a million times to make the values and the colors work. Where my more stylistic approach, I'm mixing the value and the color on the palette and then I'll put down one stroke and I won't blend it. And so it's actually a lot more technical but it is, it's fast. It's more emotional. It's its cool. I watched you painting on your Instagram and I saw, now that you've explained it, I understand what you're talking about. And that's super cool to understand. Yeah. You, you made that color and then that's the one stroke that goes on there. Yep. Yeah. It's fun. And you, you asked about, I, I think I dodged one of your questions. You said, when did I start painting images of Christ? When did I feel like I need to start painting images of Christ? Do you want me to answer that now? I'm interested on, in knowing this because when I do religious, like I rearrange hymns and have done albums for Desert Book and stuff. So when I'm doing stuff about Christ, it feels like it's heavier and my life needs to be a little more in tune with him to get it right. And so I'm wondering, when did that come together where you decided to start painting Christ? Like, That's a great question. So... I was, like I said before, I was trained in a very classical manner where everything had to be perfect. Technically, it was about perfection, perfect colors, temperatures, values, shapes, edges. It was all very technical yeah. training. And I had one of the best mentors in the world that I could have, William Whitaker. He's one of the best portrait artists in the world. He passed away a few years ago, but I got to study with him. I was right next to him in his studio for about a year and a half before he passed away. And it was amazing. But anyway, it was very technical training. And I never, before I started painting, whenever I'd go to paint a project, I was never asking myself, why am I painting this? What is this communicating to the viewer? It was just about the technical, right? So I had this cool experience where I want, I've always wanted to paint an image of Christ, and I finally did it, and I felt good about it. And it, was, it was a cool experience for me personally, but something happened. A neighbor saw that and said, hey, can I buy that? So, yeah, sure. I wasn't even planning on selling it, but I went to Costco, made her a canvas print. And then the next week, she came, and it was in a specific part of our church. It was in this hallway. It was after a sacrament meeting. And she stopped me and she got tears in her eyes and got all emotional and said, Dan, you have no idea what this is doing for our family. It's just in our family room and just having that image of Christ in there. It just helps our family. And she was really emotional about it. And that was the first time I'd ever seen someone get an emotional reaction from my art. So it was a really cool experience for me. But I was like, oh, that was cool. I, I don't know. I just didn't think that much of it. I just thought... That was a cool experience. Another lady in our ward bought that that same piece. And it was either one or two weeks later, after sacrament meeting, in the exact same spot in that hall. And those the, our churches are pretty big. Yeah. So it was in the exact same spot. She stops me and says, Dan, I bought that painting for my sister, her family's trying not to go through a divorce right now. And she started crying. 
and said the exact same words. You have no idea what that is doing for her family. And man, the spirit hit me so strong. And I just knew I have this talent for a reason. And the rest of my life, I'm supposed to be using this talent to paint uplifting images that will uplift people in their homes. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be about Christ. But beautiful landscapes can make people feel the spirit with the usage of light coming into the world, right? Wildlife. Really anything that is painted in a beautiful way, in a way it turns the viewer back to the creator of all those things. And so I just knew from that time forward, I have this gift for a reason and I need to use it in in an appropriate way. It's not just to make money and provide for my family, but it's to uplift people in their homes. And it is, it's changed me ever since. That experience changed me forever because now before I paint something, I ask myself, why am I painting this? What is this going to tell the viewer and how can it uplift them? And now it's not about finances. It's just about how can I uplift with these images? And it's made my life and my career so much more fun and exciting because I'm not worried about the zeros on the bank account. I'm just worrying about how can I uplift? How can I be a sharper tool in God's hands? And even though I talk like I'm some amazing spiritual person, I'm not. I struggle with plenty of things, but I am trying to be better. And I am trying to get closer to God and I'm trying to use my talents for his purposes. And it just makes all the difference. You're on a mission, man. <laughs> That's so cool. It sounds like but, you are too. But I mean, the, your mission is to create images that strengthen families, uplift, inspire, and point. Everything's pointing back to the creator of everything. Yeah. Dude, I think we should leave it right there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. More importantly, I hope you feel closer to your creator and want to solidify your relationship with him. If you'd like to suggest a guest for a future episode, hit me up at themenwholovegod at gmail.com or on Instagram at menwholovegod. If you can think of someone who needs to hear this episode, send it his way. Don't hesitate. Also, leaving a review is huge for me in this podcast. I would love to hear from you. Finally, never forget, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him.